0: but a chance to be better welcome to heal conversations to guide you toward personal growth and overall well-being here on Heal. Thank you so much for joining us. So we're on Zoom recording um, and I'm going to do one of my tangents. Sorry, I'm going to start the show by going on a tangent. (laughs) That Zoom lady never said recording in progress before. She just said this meeting is being recorded. Mm. That's changed. So anyways, welcome to this episode (laughs) of Heal. Britt is with me today again. I'm so excited to have my sidekick and with us I know. what is the What, what are the odds? Right, Jorge? <laughs> so today we have um, a guest. Her name is Rebecca Seitz. She grew up in what she calls a toxic evangelical upbringing, and she has found her way out of that situation knowing that it wasn't right for her. Um, and she has started her own production company. So let's welcome her, Britt.
1: Hi, Rebecca. Hi, Hi Rebecca. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So <laughs> thanks for coming up.
0: Yeah, so excited to have you. I'm going to move my stuffed animal out of the way because he's I'm a really distraction.
2: Stuffed animal. Wait, well, let me just
0: take a picture. <laughs> All right, take a picture during the podcast, Brittany. Sorry, everybody. Sorry, Rebecca. We really are. We really are semi-professional
2: here. I believe you. I'm going to believe that all day long. Okay. It's more fun this way anyway.
0: It is. So welcome to our little podcast. Um, So what I know of you is that you grew up in a very religious household and it became toxic for you. So I would love to hear your story, where you came from and what it was like and what what made you decide to get out of it?
2: Well, um, so my mother, I, I like to joke that I was baptized twice because my mother got saved when she was seven months pregnant with me. And then, um, she went down to the, to the Baptist temple. She talked to the preacher, the preacher letter to the Lord. She went home, told my dad, and my dad was so mad that this had been done. He went down to the church to beat the preacher up, ended up coming to the Lord himself. And so they got baptized in the church and it just, obviously I didn't know my parents before that, but I do know their friends from before that. And evidently there was a radical change in their lives. Mm-hmm. They, they were very, very different people all of a sudden. And so that's all I ever knew growing up. I'm the right. youngest of four, but I'm the only child of my parents. They had both been married before. Mm-hmm. Oh. And so, um Nice. You are the
0: lucky. You are the lucky one.
2: Yeah, they saw me and were like, "That's it. That's enough. We're just going to do the one. <laughs> That's enough." Um, so I had my my sister closest to me in age. My dad had adopted her, so it was really like a, a two sibling you know household. My eldest two siblings lived with their birth mother most of the time in another state, so I, mm-hmm. I rarely saw them. Um, So we just always went to school. I was at, you know, Calvary Baptist Academy for my early years in, in school, in school. And then we went off to the evil public school, which my mother was very worried about. (laughs) And I mean, we started off Baptist temple is one of those where the women don't cut their hair, they don't wear makeup, they... We wore culottes, you know, because pants weren't allowed. <laughs> that was a big deal. So it
0: it was like a skirt, but it wasn't a skirt.
2: Looked like a skirt. You know, as far as the men could tell, it was a skirt. So it was okay. And you didn't, um, you know, women couldn't have authority over men, women couldn't teach men. Pretty much your only place as a female in the church was in the choir and the nursery. Those were your Wow.
0: Ones. and is that still current today or.
2: a Baptist temple, it is. That church still exists. Um, I, I mean, I put my children in that church's private school for their first couple years of school. Yeah. Uh, we did not stay at Baptist Temple very long. We eventually went into a Southern Baptist church, which um, is more liberal than a Baptist yeah. temple. But I mean, that's a relative <laughs> term. So we do <laughs> up now and we could cut our hair now, but still know you're not supposed to be dancing or playing cards or absolutely no alcohol of any sort whatsoever. We ignore that miracle in the Bible. Um, you know, there's, there's none of that allowed and still no women don't have authority. Uh, the male is the headship of the home and Mm -hmm. he's the covering over the home. And so you are to submit to him Mm -hmm. as the head of the household and that be a Proverbs 31 woman, which basically means you work your tail off and make your husband look good in the public marketplace. Mm -hmm. And that's that's what you do. So that's what I grew up in, and um, bear, one thing I'll say about the Southern Baptists, they're very, very Bible-based. The Bible's pretty much on par with God. It is a God. And so I was in what, what are called Bible drills. Uh, it's where you memorize scripture. You, you know, I can recite a ton. There's a, there's a scripture that says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And the idea is that you're memorizing all this scripture because if it's memorized within you, you won't sin. You'll have the answers to everything life has to throw at you right. and you go to drills and you're in scholarship money to Christian colleges, which I did mm-hmm. and you graduate into speakers tournaments where you go and you defend the faith. And so I would do pro-life speeches and anti-alcohol speeches and all of that sort of thing at these conventions and I would win those and get scholarship money to go off to a Baptist college. and That's so
0: interesting. It's yeah. This is literally a whole world that is foreign it to is me. It is its
2: own community. They have their own publishing houses. That's where I started in my career, was at the number one Christian publishing house in the world, Thomas Nelson. Yeah. And um, that's, that's so where fascinating. I, sta- I started in the Christian entertainment business, publicizing Christian fiction and trying to get it in the more mainstream world because it's shelved separately in the bookstores.
0: Can I just make a side note? That's hard to say Christian fiction.
2: Christian fiction, yeah. It's a whole- i hard to say. Really, Christian fiction has its own interesting thing. Like when I wrote my first one for a publisher, um, my characters went to a jazz club, but they had to drink tea. So it's yeah. that sort of a, you know, your characters can kiss and that's about as far as it can go. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, there are a whole lot of things that you, I always say you have to go around your elbow to get to your thumb to write a story (laughs) and stay in Christian fiction, if it's going to be Christian fiction. So yeah, yeah, it was a whole world. My entire professional and personal world was wrapped up in being a Southern Baptist. I mean, I started a women's ministry at my church, Mm -hmm. Faithful Beth Moore. Uh, Beth Moore is the big, she's the woman who writes all the Bible studies. And I was Faithful Mm -hmm. Beth Moore, Bible study person, held them in my home, all that stuff. Read the Bible through every year. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) it was all it.
0: Brittany, I'm sorry. I never did that for you.
2: (laughs) It's okay. Brittany, you should thank her right now. (laughs) You should thank your mom. (laughs) No, I really do. Very happy. Uh, I don't know. I didn't give her a
0: solid foundation, but go ahead.
2: That's the thing though. You know what? Um, I mean, in this country, I can't remember where I read the study, um, but there, there was a study of who are the most distrusted people in America and they're atheists. And now that I know a lot of them, I'm like, that's, It's really unfortunate because atheists, I think more than anybody, I'm not one, but I, I, like I said, I have a lot of friends now in that community. And Mm. I think atheists more than anyone have given some real thought to why they are the way they are. Absolutely. They They should be trusted. They've thought it through. (laughs) Well, at,
0: at least they're, they're questioning. And I think questioning is really important. You can be, you can be loyal, loyal, religious, faithful. You can be all of those things, but still question Mm. Um, but I guess some religions don't allow you to even question. So that's the sad part.
1: I think that's kind of my thing is that like, I've always been really attracted to religion because it's a sense of community Mm -hmm. where, you know, when you're growing up in a secular kind of community, there's not really, I mean, unless you get into like hobbies and stuff, then there's not really um, that kind of just there waiting for you and I think it's different now because I think more people are growing up with these secular um lifestyles but you know when I was growing up I used to like going to church because it was cool for me to like have all these people together like singing the same song and you she's know, also an only child <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> no I get what you're saying when we yeah. left it was like overnight your social fabric of your life ripped apart yeah know? You're exactly not to everybody multiple times a week you're mm-hmm. not even speaking the same language anymore because evangelicalism has its own lexicon mm-hmm. um, you're not reading the same things you're not listening watching the same television wow. listening to the same radio um you know the same bumper stickers on your car i mean it's you're not you're not going to the same in evangelicalism you know, you don't shop at Target. You have, you're supposed to shop at Walmart because Target um, has gay pride days and and you're not allowed to support that. And you you don't shop at Home Depot, you shop at Lowe's because Home Depot supports um, a gay, a gay agenda as it's called in evangelicalism. So you go to Lowe's. So it even, you know, right down to where you shop, you don't drink Pepsi, you drink Coke for the same reason, you know, one gives to Planned Parenthood and one doesn't. So you just, yeah. It, it's I'm going to need
0: that list so I can support the <laughs> ones who do.
2: <laughs> um, it gets, it, it's so exhaustive now. It's like, holy Moses, <laughs> how does anybody keep up? It, mm-hmm. You know, that was one of those litmus tests for just how faithful you were. If, if somebody came over and saw a target bag in your house, then that's a problem. Yeah. That um, seems,
0: okay. I hate to use the word insane, but that just seems it
2: is. <laughs> crazy. It is. Yeah. Well, and if so, you communicated as if you're it's you're walking the walk not talking the talk you know tell everybody that homosexuality is an abomination then you don't need to support corporations that are supporting the homosexual agenda that's how it's communicated and so Mm -hmm. you know you're being more righteous and more right and a better witness to the world Mm -hmm. if you don't go to target and you know what's really interesting about that
1: though and I'm sorry to interrupt but it's like I I have So many friends, you know, that, you know, we've all vowed never to shop at Amazon because Mm -hmm. we don't support Amazon's values. Right. But it's like, it's the same thing. It's just wrapped up in a different packaging. And it's just so interesting to me.
2: That is very interesting. Good, Good observation. It is. And it isn't in that when like, yeah, there are certain places that I don't shop either because I don't show their same corporate values, but I'm not doing it as a witness to the world. Yeah. I, I'm not doing it as a, I'm helping to keep you out of hell by not going here. <laughs> and I am um, furthering Satan's agenda. If I go in there, Yeah, it's more, I don't think this is good for mankind. So I don't want to be a part of it, which right. is It's much, different. It's, different. different. Yeah. <laughs> it's a totally different overtone. <laughs> yeah,
1: totally. But it is just really interesting. Cause it's like, you know, sometimes I'm like sitting here thinking, oh my God, like how, how crazy is that? Like not to shop at Target. Wow. But here I am. Like, I don't, like I try and I do sometimes shop at Amazon. Don't tell anyone.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm going to let everyone know that I shop at Amazon. (laughs) Yeah. Like it's
1: really really convenient. So like, especially during the pandemic, it was
0: very convenient.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Exactly. So it's
2: just, it's just really interesting to to kind of think about it that way, I guess. Yeah. Um, Well, and it's, Again, it's down to what brand of clothes you wear, what makeup you wear, how you cut your hair, if you color your hair t- like right now, my hair would be borderline floozy because I have highlights. So, I can only imagine
0: what mine um, would be.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and and this lipstick is entirely too bright. That is hussy. So
0: <laughs> So you're you're border, you're I, bordering hussy and floozy. You're like yeah, a hussy. I'd be,
2: I'd be sitting in the back this Sunday is what I would do. <laughs>
0: That's so funny. I mean, but it is what it is. That's what it is. And it's just so interesting and eye-opening and so foreign to me.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of um, I think subconscious judgment. It's just built into the fabric of what it is. Yeah. Of you know, how am I doing? You're always trying to how am I doing in my walk. And naturally, because we're humans, you've you gravitate toward, well, let me compare that to somebody else's and how they're doing. And so I'm doing better than that, so I'm okay. And if you ask any evangelical, they will tell you that that's absolutely wrong. And we don't do that. And we don't judge each other that way, but that's actually what's happening every single day.
0: (laughs) So you lived and so you started Baptist and then you, when did you end up becoming evangelical? And did I just skip a million years? Cause you can go back as far (laughs) as you need to. Uh,
2: Southern Baptist is, is the home of evangelicalism. Okay, Um, they're the largest evangelical denomination. Uh, They're the largest denomination in the country, and they are the largest evangelical denomination. Yeah, I was just gonna ask that question.
1: Like, I I was wondering if it was like the hot thing to be Southern Baptist where you grew up. Like, is that just kind of um, so if you go back
2: to um, 19, when did Clinton first get elected? 92 the mm-hmm. so right before Clinton was that's a- the year Britney Clinton.
0: was born <laughs> oh girl
2: I'm about to school you here we go okay so what <laughs> happened was Newt Gingrich did his contract with America he was Speaker of the House at the time and it was it, this happens every 20 to 30 years in the country America's in a moral decline America's not acting like the Christian mm-hmm. country that it began as which is not the truth but that's the message <laughs> and they stir <laughs> up that base and yeah. that's what Newt was doing and Um, The the huge Christian organization, Focus on the Family, which is in Colorado Springs, James Dobson, had created a political spinoff, Family Research Council, and headquartered it in D.C. I actually worked for them for a while in their media department. So you had FRC at the same time that you had Newt Gingrich doing the contract with America and rallying the evangelicals at the same time that you had Fox News starting. And so as all of the Clinton Lewinsky stuff is unfolding, Mm -hmm. not only did they have something from Congress that was rallying them, but they had this 24 seven rallying cry of, we finally have a news organization. That's going to tell it like it is from our perspective. Mm -hmm. And because there was nothing else, the evangelicals flocked to it. I mean, it was on all the time in my house and Sean Hannity was a King Mm -hmm. in my house, you know, and it was, it, it, it was just, we finally had that we, the evangelicals finally had this, we could stand on the same platform as the secular world. Cause we mm-hmm. have our network now too. And having that, that way to make the troops mad all the time, which is one of the most effective ways yep. of being human to, to act is to make them anger, make mm-hmm. them angry and feel outraged. And like they're being taken advantage of, which is the Fox news way. Um, mm-hmm it just, it worked. And so evangelicalism caught on in a huge way. So you had the age of the population at the right place. You had a piece of a new media empire that was coming up and you had politics in the right place. And it all just kind of came together to create this giant voting block that we saw elect Donald Trump, (laughs) you know, not (laughs) not too long later, because that is the uh, that's the more extreme end of what started back in. '92, And what started back in 92 was the country's being taken from you. You're, it's not going to be safe for you or your faith. You're not going to be able to practice your faith. It's all going to be outlawed. You won't be able to pray in the public square. God's going to be taken out of schools and taken out of everywhere. And so you have to act now. You have to overturn Roe v. Wade. Everybody has to do this right now. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's really when evangelicalism took hold as a, as a huge block. Fascinating.
1: Yeah, it's kind of crazy how we're still feeling the effects of that
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. in a huge way. We've got broken families all over the place now because of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, mine is. it's you know, people not talking to each other, yeah. Uh, Yes, I'm sure Jesus is very happy about that. (laughs) He does not give a rip who you voted for. Just to be clear, (laughs) I'm pretty sure if he did, somebody would have recorded that somewhere. (laughs) I know. (laughs) By the way, Jesus is really interested in you being a Republican. I'm pretty sure that would have been (laughs) down. Um, so so,
0: and I don't even know I didn't even know all of that that is so fascinating
2: well it was it was a whole if you were in it you were very very aware of it and Mm -hmm. weren't you know it was this seething community just under the surface that just like a cult it just happened to be a lot of them Um, Mm -hmm. and they were being reinforced in the pulpit every Sunday of we got to stand up for our values we got to take a stand for Christ and I mean that's that is a Christian, you know. Um, there are songs about being soldiers for Christ. There are Bible studies about being soldiers for Christ, and so it really became this warlike mentality of. And they'll tell you there's a war going on. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a war in the heavenlies and a war here, and you know, you yeah, you have to fight and fight. And then you earn your crowns when you're dead. And the reason for earning your crowns is so that you can lay them at Jesus' feet when you get to heaven. <laughs> I'm not making that up. <laughs> Listen, if I earn
0: a crown in this lifetime, it is not coming off this. Right,
2: oh <laughs> just me. one second. <laughs> yeah,
1: now that's mine, actually. Jesus has his.
2: You can get this, <laughs> right? You're like all powerful. You can get as many as you want. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. He doesn't need ours. <sighs> <sighs> yeah, no, that's it's in Revelation that all the saints are in heaven laying their crowns at Jesus' feet. So you store up crowns. Mm this side of heaven, so that when you see Jesus in the next life, you have something to give him. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, it's so weird when I say this stuff no, now, no, out loud, and people are like, is that, like, are you making that up? I'm like, no, it <laughs> sounded normal at the time. It sounded totally Well, of course. Totally. Of, course. Yes, of course it did. Of course, yeah.
1: You know, a lot of the things we do, even in the secular society, are very weird, and it just is normal because we've normalized them. So, I mean, it's it's the same everywhere, really. That's true. Right.
0: If I told you how, what I do, you know, on the side and how I work with energy and, and you know, you might think I'm a little you, cuckoo.
2: I would believe you now because I've learned about all of that. But at the time I would have said, you know, you're new age and and you're in the dark and lost and somebody needs to open your eyes. Yeah.
0: And what's really funny is I feel like I'm so opposite of in the dark at this point. Right. Like I'm like, <laughs> my eyes are wide open, you know, yes. that's so interesting. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So this back in 92, all of this happened, um,
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Where, what were you doing at this time in 92? So, I was we... in
2: junior high. <laughs> I, was, I was painting Bible verses and t shirts and wearing them to school. Oh, I, I love, love was, it! I was love really it. popular Let me tell you, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, can I, we... I tell you, I had a baby
0: at 92 and I was in 92, not at <laughs> 92. I'm not, 90.
2: I was, yeah, I think, let's see, that was, I was an eighth grader mm-hmm. at the time. <sighs> yeah, I think I was eighth grade. Is that right? That's hmm yeah yeah I was ninth grader my sister was in high school mm-hmm. nice
0: that's so crazy yeah all right go um, ahead
2: and so then you know I I was in a small town in Tennessee where my family's had a farm for 250 300 years so wow um, this is also baked into the fabric of you know the town this is there are plenty of churches pick whatever you want but the two big ones are the Baptist ones mm-hmm. and you know then there are the others you know if you want to go and you want to be Church of Christ or you want to be one of those little ones, that's fine. But the if you want to be you know be in the main community, you go to First Baptist or you go to Southside. And now they've got central well they've got central. So I guess they've got three big ones now. Although South Southside's gone kind of kind of liberal. So <laughs> they might speak in tongues every now and then over there. You can't have that. Anyway, so it was it was just a way of life. You know, like you were saying yeah. it's you saw everybody on Sunday morning at church and Sunday night at church and Wednesday night for fellowship. And, and then you met in somebody's home for a Bible study during the week. That was your life. Wow. So you asked how I left, you know, I, um, this isn't how I left, but one of the, I, I had, I moved away from the town. As soon as I graduated from college, i went to college in that town, University of Tennessee at Martin. And I moved away the day after college graduation. And I had lived in DC to do my internship. That's when I worked at FRC. Um, So I had seen a little bit, but I mean, even at FRC, I was such a fish out of water there. All the other interns were Lutheran and Catholic and Anglican and Episcopalian. And I had only been taught they were the wrong Christians because they drink and they wanted to go on our first night. They wanted to go to a restaurant that served alcohol. and I. Uh, very righteously told them that we couldn't possibly go spend FRC money there because people like my parents had donated their money to FRC. Mm-hmm. And they would be appalled to find out that we went into an establishment, not that we were going to go order alcohol, we weren't of age, but that an establishment that serves alcohol, that would be like going to Home Depot. <laughs> so we couldn't
1: do that. And it <laughs>
2: alienated me from all of the fellows everywhere. I bet. We're like, what is this? I was the first Southern Baptist to come into the program, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm pretty sure they didn't have another one. <laughs> <laughs> no. That's just not so. Um, you know, I married a Catholic man. Um, he and he was very Catholic, um, but he left on my birthday with his third mistress. So that was kind of more proof of Catholic is not the way. And so I came back home and said, well, at least, you know, I'm done with the marrying thing. And honestly, I was relieved. I was like, this whole headship thing and having to be submissive, I'm not good at it. So I'm just not Mm -hmm. called to marriage. I am called to singlehood. And so that's, that was kind of the lexicon I adopted of I'm called to being single. And Mm -hmm. I broke the news to my mom and she was like, well, that's, you know, that I don't think that's the Lord's highest calling for a woman, but um, you know, if you feel the Lord calling you to that, so. There was whole, there were conversations about that. And then I met the man that I've now been happily married to for 17 years and he's a Lutheran. And I hadn't even heard about them. And so uh, he told me on our first date, he was like, you know, if this goes anywhere, you're going to have to be Lutheran. And I was like, cool. What do you guys believe? <laughs> I was like, So I learned all about his religion and um, they drink. So I was like, I'm down. So, because by that point I had figured it out, you know, what alcohol was. And I was like, wine, not a bad thing. Yeah, it's and fun. And <laughs> bourbon's even better. So, oh, no. <laughs> so I took him home to, or I, I, I took him to meet my parents. And, and my mother's very first words to him were, So you're Lutheran? And he said, Yes, ma'am. And she said, So is that a cult? And <laughs> what's amazing to me now is the irony of, No, no, sweetie, that's what you're in. But <laughs> she legitimately thought, he was in a cult and he had to explain to her that Lutheranism, you know, predates Southern Baptist world and is much more closely aligned to the original church in the new Testament and to the original teachings of Jesus. And she didn't like any of that. Um, And then we got married in the oldest Lutheran church in the Western hemisphere to make it okay that he was marrying outside the faith. Mm -hmm. His family is very, very, very Lutheran. They are all, incredibly they're only second generation americans german lutherans oh wow it was a big deal that he was marrying a southern baptist girl um so you asked me just fast forwarding through all of it you asked me why eventually i walked out um
0: i guess the marriage helped with that
2: well so he and i became non-denominational i had i had worked when i first moved to florida after college graduation i went to work for a megachurch in orlando Mm -hmm. a non-denominational megachurch northland Joel Hunter was the senior pastor at the time. And that really is still the only church that I would ever say has got it right in terms of here's how we take a philosophy, our religion, and go out into the world and make the world better for us having learned these things. Joel used to say, you know, you can come in here and you can learn, but don't get comfortable in here. You're supposed to be out there doing things. Mm -hmm. Um, and I really took that message to heart because that's not what I'd been brought up. It was, you come in here to prepare for battle and then you go out there and fight. That's what I had been taught. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so, you know, we kind of bounced through non-denom world and Southern Baptist world ourselves, uh, raised our children in Southern Baptist world. They were baptized, they professed faith and were baptized in Southern Baptist. My, my daughter eventually was baptized in Lutheran church. We had moved down here to Florida for that, um, But what happened was I was still reading the Bible through every year in Southern Baptist world. You have to accept that the Bible is 100% God breathed, God inspired the inerrant word of God. There is not one thing wrong in it. There are no mistakes in it. And every single word of it is applicable to modern living. Your Mm -hmm. goal is to live like that book. And I had been doing that my entire life was 38 years old. And I've been doing that. You know, I professed faith when I was six. So I'd been doing it for 32 years and in the Bible, there are some contradictions. There just are. And mm-hmm. every year I would explain them away uh, and just, you know, keep reading past it. And just, that's just something I don't have enough faith to understand yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, because in, in evangelicalism too, if there's anything wrong, it's your fault. Never yeah. God's. If anything yeah. goes wrong, it's your fault. Not, God's never held accountable for anything.
0: This sounds so much like Scientology in a sense where <laughs> Doesn't it though? I mean, it's, doesn't it in a way where, what did you do wrong to make that happen to you?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Or what is God trying to teach you? Yeah. Allowing this difficulty, because that's very Job, you know, in the book of Job, Satan goes to God and said, and God is crowing about how wonderful Job is and how devoted Job is to him. And Satan says, well, he's not going to be devoted to you if you let me do some things to him. And so God says, go ahead, try it out. So eventually say, I mean, Satan takes away all of his fields, takes away all of his houses, kills all of his kids, kills all of his kids, uh, spouses, kills all of his grandkids. And still Job praises God and the four friends surround Job and try to tell him why all of these things are happening to him. And Job just keeps saying, it doesn't matter why I love God and he's got me and it's all going to work out in the end. And so at the end of the book, um, God restores Job brings him new wives, new kids, new grandkids, new houses, new fields. Now, all of my life, I read that story over and over and would think so. Whenever you go through a trial, you know, God may just be seeing how faithful you'll be to Him. So you just hold true and you be faithful to Him and He's going to restore. But here's the thing it had dawned on me as an adult when I had kids if you took these two, it'd be great if I had two more, but they're not going to be these two. You didn't mm. restore the kids that you took. These are, there will never be these two people on the planet again. There will never be this husband on the planet again. So mm. I was like, I don't know about that. I don't know about you taking people we love and then just, Oh, it's all good. I gave you more. I, yeah, let's have a conversation about that. <laughs> I don't know if that's a great test. of yeah. my faith. So um, yeah. So when things go wrong, it's, God might be testing you. God, they love to say, God doesn't give you anything. He doesn't know that yeah, you can't handle faithful enough to handle, which is just yeah. ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a sex abuse survivor. I'm like, whatever. All right. Well, if God gave me that, we got another thing to discuss. <laughs> right.
0: It's so true. All of the hardship and, and so many things that have happened to people in their lives. And you're like, you, you always wonder why. And yes, there's probably some sort of a lesson in it. And when you get to the point where you're able to reflect on it and not be so hurt from it. Yeah. Perhaps you have bettered your life because this happened. Perhaps you have stopped drinking and you're healthier because something happened, but I don't know. I that-
1: a quote once that was like, yeah, you know, maybe I'm a better person because of all this that's happened to me, but imagine what I could have been if all of this had never happened to me. So it's almost like,
0: I I do strongly believe though, that it does make us stronger because of your mindset. So if you go, if you, it does make you stronger. If you choose that, like I learned, if you choose to look at it that way. Yes. You know, I um, used to
2: question though, if God is in control of everything, including who and what we are, then, I mean, I just look at it as a parent myself. If, if I had all the ability to do anything I wanted to do at any given moment with just a thought, which is what you're taught God is, he just has to think it, and then he speaks it into existence and it's always a he. Um, I would come up with another way for my children to learn to be strong than harming them. Mm-hmm. You know, I just... You've got yeah. limitless power and all you could come up with was let me smack you in the face and maybe you'll learn something, kid. I mean <laughs> <really? So laughs> that, was it? that was the highest and best that you got. I just okay. Um maybe we should talk about that for a second. I don't know. Maybe there's another way. Right? Um thank you, baby. So true. What ultimately led me to walk out was I was I was doing my daily Bible reading in the morning like I always did. And uh, I got to the part where David takes the census and in, in the Bible I used to read through every year's chronological study Bible. And the way that that's arranged, there are things that repeat in the Bible in different books of the Bible. Um, the chronological study Bible puts all of the events in chronological order. Mm-hmm. So if something's covered in first Samuel and also first Kings, you'll see it right there side by side in the chronological study Bible, whereas you won't in the traditional Bible. the the normal Bible that people are taking to church every day or whatever. Mm -hmm. Well, when you read the two accounts of David taking the census in one of them, it says the Lord told David to take a census of all of Israel. In the other one, it says Satan told David to take a census of all the fighting men of Israel. And the reason this matters is because David does the census wrong, makes God mad and he kills every single man that made himself known in the census in Israel. So, It was always one of those things that I was like, I feel like we should probably figure this out, but (laughs) you're not allowed to because the Bible's perfect and God breathed and God inspired and God's had his hand on it through every iteration of it. So it's all exactly what God meant. And that day, because we were also going through some really just one on top of the other difficult things in life that God was not showing up to help with. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't mean like the kids were being ugly. I mean, people were sick and dying jobs were being lost. I mean, it was, it was things, one thing on top of another, I literally closed the Bible and I pushed it away from me. And I said, mm-hmm. I, I'm just not going to make an excuse today. It it's wrong. It messed up. Mm-hmm. And I sat there for a minute thinking about it because that was such a massive life shift. I, I honestly, I expected to be hit by lightning and killed. right. Him.
0: Right. No, like Joe, all joking aside, I can't no. imagine so just
2: angered God. <laughs> right. Um, There you go. There goes your covering, your hedge of protection about you. You don't have that anymore because you've displeased the Lord. And what's that going to mean for your children and your household? Because you're the female, you're the life nurturer, you're, you know, you can't protect anybody anymore. And so it's interesting. Uh, you know, I've I've learned about all kinds of different ways of life now. So I know about um being a green witch now, and there's so much of the Green Witch way wrapped up in the female Christian lifestyle. And it's just it's it's funny. I not know that, that I, know, I don't even
0: know what that is. I need to know what the green witch is. Oh,
2: green witches are very um in tune with nature and the energy oh. around them.
0: Sounds so, so bad, but it's so not bad at all.
2: It sounds horrible. It's like oh, I have nothing to do with witchery. No, just it's, <laughs> <laughs> understanding the energy of the planet—that's really what Yeah, I, I might actually be—I
0: might be a green witch, Brittany.
2: I have a—I have <laughs> I a book alarm here. you. This one right here—I think it's still down here. This—this this one. Yeah, yeah. This one will teach you all about it. <gasps> witch. I've seen that somewhere. This is where, because I—you know—I just explore a lot of different ways of life now to learn from them. Mm -hmm. and I don't feel guilty for doing it anymore. I don't you know, feel like I'm walking away from somebody who could smite me for doing it. So (laughs) so this is one of those books that um, came highly recommended to me. I have a friend who is a green witch that actually I was her manager in Christian publishing and had gotten her a book deal that where she talked about leaving being a witch and becoming a Christian. And then she went back to being a witch. (laughs) So she, when I came out, Uh, that I was leaving evangelicalism, she reached out to me and she said, Oh, I felt so guilty that I've been able to tell you. But anyway, so that day Mm -hmm. I pushed the Bible away from me. And I, I said to myself, I was walking up the stairs thinking, do I need to go tell Charlie, my husband, what we're doing here? His dad was nearing the end of his life after seven years of really ugly Parkinson's disease. That's why we moved to Florida was to take care of him, Mm. help his mom with the care. And he had just been—I think—at that point he had been laid off of his very, very cushy job and was trying to decide if he even wanted to stay in the industry he'd been in for 20 years. So we had a little bit of upheaval happening. Yeah, yeah totally. And um, I thought I'm—I'm I'm not going to tell him initially. I'm going to give myself one year, one year of freedom from this.
0: Wow. One and you even—you even knew at that point that you needed quote freedom. Yeah. From it, I was like, so I'm you gonna felt let- imprisoned by it.
2: Yeah. You, yeah. c- you have to, well, it's, it's another thing you're taught in evangelicalism is to take every thought captive. So you're constantly monitoring your own thoughts for sinfulness or for a betrayal of the Lord. And the second that you encounter a thought that is not worshipful of the Lord, you have to take that thought captive and rebuke it. And so you can't, it really shuts down your critical thinking skills mm-hmm. as we're seeing in the voting block because anything that could, you know, in any way upset or anger or be disrespectful toward the Lord, you have to immediately dismiss. So you're not allowed to think through, well, who really told David to take the census? And when did that get messed up? You know, maybe we should correct it. I don't know. (laughs) That's an idea. So um, I thought, yeah, I'm going to give myself a year to have all the thoughts and and I'm going to write them down. I won't show it to anybody, you know, that I can't be a stumbling block and lead other people astray, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to I'm a writer. I always have been. So I'm going to write it all down and maybe I can make sense of this. And I honestly thought I'm going to get to the end of this and God's going to be even more real to the evangelical. God is going to be even more real to me. And our relationship is going to be even tighter yeah. and it's going to be this wonderful witness and testimony that I'll have at the end of this, but I'm, I'm going to give myself this year. And then um, I started writing about it. A couple of weeks later, I told um, a friend in the business and uh, he was, I felt like he would be a kindred spirit. I'd just been watching him at conferences and hearing some of the things he would say in the, discussion cause I was on faculty at all these conferences and we had, you know, faculty late nights and all that. And I said, Hey, can I tell you something? And I, I told him and he was like, Oh, thank God. There's another one. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> like, good. For real. And he said, I really love to see what you're writing. You know, if you need somebody to bounce things off of, you're welcome to show me what you're writing. And I would show him what I was writing. And like, he would, he would give me things to think about too. Like one day he said, you know, what, um, what bothers me in evangelicalism is we're never allowed to hold God accountable. You know, when our kids die or horrible things happen or for, you know, all the kids who died today for not having enough food to eat on the planet he created somehow, everything that goes wrong is our fault Mm -hmm. and everything that goes right is his fault. And it's just, it's frustrating all the time that you can't hold him accountable for creating Mm -hmm. something that is broken. Mm-hmm. And I was like, let's explore that. So he would give me ideas. He would give me um, freedom to think through the really hard ideas that you're not allowed to think about when you're in the faith right. and well say out loud. And so I was probably about four weeks into it. When I came to my husband, I had stopped praying every night with the kids before yeah. bed. Uh, he, I was having oh, time that must've been
0: so strange.
2: It was really weird. Uh, Cause yeah. uh, we prayed every single night. Right, right. And all of a sudden it was, daddy's going to lead you in prayer. I'll I'll still read your story, but daddy's going to lead you in prayer. And then, so he knew something was up. And so, you know, I came to him and was like, look, it's the David census thing, babe. I just can't, (laughs) (laughs) I just can't let it go. I just can't let it go this year. And he was like, what are we talking about? Because Lutherans don't know Bible the way Southern Baptists know Bible. (laughs) What are we talking about right now? And so I showed it to him, and I was like, "That does not say the same thing, right? One says Satan, one says the Lord. Those are polar opposite beings." Mm-hmm. And but, but are they? I mean, according to Southern Baptist, Satan didn't—he still doesn't exist in Judaism. So, no, entirely <laughs> made up a being. But whatever. Um, so yeah. So I he said, "Okay, well, you know, do what you need to do." I had always been, while while my husband was the head of our household you know, I had been much more involved in the faith as a Southern Baptist. So I kind of led that part of us in terms of we're going to do this Bible study now, or we're going to, you know, memorize this passage. Now or we're going to, whatever. Mm-hmm. So suddenly that was gone in our house. And he's trying to deal with his dad's dying. He's very close to his dad. He's mm-hmm. trying to deal with his dad's dying. And what's he going to do for his career as the breadwinner? Cause you're also not allowed to be the breadwinner as the female in the household. He's mm-hmm. so struggling with that too. And, um, Then his dad died and, you know, we're standing there. We were there when his dad passed and Mm -hmm. we're standing in his dad's bedroom and he just looks at me and he says, this would be a whole lot easier if I believed that he was in heaven and we were going to see him again. And I hadn't figured out what to think about any of that yet. And Mm -hmm. I, it, it just tore me up like no, like no death ever had before, because in Christian world, death's not allowed to be a real breaking of, of, um, a fellowship with each other. It's, it's okay. I'm going to see you again in just a few years. I'll join you in heaven. We'll find each other. Everything will be okay.
1: Mm-hmm. So
2: everybody will say when someone passes, I'm so sorry, but in the same breath, they'll say, but you'll see him again. Mm-hmm. So there's not like really an ability to sit in your mourning the way that there is in some other religion. Like even in Judaism, you get to sit yeah. in more. That doesn't exist. There's no, you know, they're, they're in the ground almost as soon as they're dead and you're moving mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. Um, And so for that, it hit, that was the first death that really, I was like, how do you process that? You know, what Mm -hmm. happens next? And I delved into what does everybody else say happens next? Because I couldn't fathom a being that had that big of a presence would just be gone completely Right. So that's actually when I started learning about energy. (laughs) Awesome. That's perfect. That's perfect.
0: And we're going to stop, we're going to stop right there because we can continue this conversation on the other side of our break. We're going to take a real quick, real quick break. We'll be right back. And we're back from our break. Thank you for coming back, everybody. So we were talking about Rebecca's journey out of her religion and now where she is. I would love to hear um, what, Okay. So you got out of, and you stopped praying with your kids. That's where we left off. See, I almost forgot. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's a so good thing I was I, paying attention.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so then I had the challenge of I'm, I'm working in Christian media. I was working yeah. in the mainstream world, but from a place of a Christian in entertainment. And that is, while it is not actually true, I had been taught, you know, how Hollywood is a and they hate Christians. It's not actually the truth, but they hate Christians and, So, um, I would have these meetings with people who supported the, the organization that I was the head of, and I would feel like I was lying all the time, you know, they'd pray before we ate and they would talk about the Lord's leading and talk about, you know, the Lord in our lives and all that. And I just wouldn't say anything. I wasn't, Oh, you know, I wasn't out loud lying, but I thought this person thinks I'm on the same page with them and I'm Mm -hmm. not. And I Mm -hmm. just, all my life I've had a massive inability to operate in anything but out loud authenticity it really it's makes for a difficult time sometimes but it's just i think maybe it's because i can't remember what i haven't told to whom so i'd rather just tell everything to everybody all the time and then there's no i don't have to keep up with anything right so It was really beginning to bug me and and really just impacting my ability to sleep and think. And so I went to Charlie. It wasn't
0: in alignment with you and your beliefs anymore. So when you're out of alignment with your beliefs, things like that don't feel right. And you can't sleep and you can't eat and you can't, it's just what happens. So it just wasn't your truth anymore.
2: Exactly. It was not my truth anymore. And everything was blocked. And so I, I had to figure, I was like, how do you, I don't, I don't want to judge anybody else on what they're doing. I just, this is just where I am. And at the time I was like, and I could be like massively wrong about all of this. I was in this searching journey. I still am in this searching journey. And so I said, Charlie, how can I like make the announcement, you know, <laughs> that I'm out, that I'm coming out was, it was really that kind of, you know, energy that we were talking about. And I said, he said, well, you could just tell a couple of those people that, you know, tell everybody else what's going on in, in the business. and. <laughs> (laughs) I could, but then it's going to be like a game of telephone. And by the time it gets over, they're going to have me a lesbian who's left you for another woman. I mean, you just, it'll just morph into something that it's not. So I said, why don't, why don't I do this? You know, I'm a writer. Why don't I just write where I am and post it somewhere? And there will still be the rumor mill. It's still going to happen, but at least that it's in writing to go see what I had to say for myself. Yeah. So he said, where do you want to put it? And I said, I absolutely 110% do not want to put it on my company website (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because what am I wrong? And I'm killing all my client, you know, all my client relationships. So he said, uh, I said, can we just, my, my husband's a techie. And so I was like, can you just grab a URL that, you know, it won't be associated with anything. And we'll just post it there and I'll direct everybody. Most people follow me on Facebook. So
1: mm-hmm. I was like,
2: I'll just put it on Facebook and it'll go from there. And he said, sure. So I did not want the URL to be what I was not like ex-evangelical or you know not evangelical because I don't, I it it bothers me when we can't define things from a positive place. Yeah. And so I thought about words and I said you know see if something like free evangelic or free evangelical is available because I don't feel like I'm completely walking away from everything that I've been taught. I think there's a lot of wisdom in the Bible. Yeah. But. I am not evangelical anymore. And so he went and looked and free evangelical was available. So he bought it and I posted my missive that I was coming out, that I was out and had been for a while and that I didn't know where I was going, but I was going mm. and I put it on Facebook and it was a massive storm for a, wow. a while afterwards. My phone blew up, my inbox blew up. Um, a lot of people were hurt because I had been you know, pretty vocal proponent of the religion, had been doing media for it. I've been speaking at conferences all over the country, Hollywood conferences and stuff like that. And it was you're our girl in Hollywood and all that stuff. Yeah. And um, they felt betrayed. And I understood that, you know, I didn't like where I was either. I just needed to be real about that's where I was. And mm-hmm. so, but then also what started happening is people would reach out that were still in those Christian publishing houses. And they would say, I am so with you. I, I, I'm following you. I can't, you know, I can't put that out there publicly or I'll lose my job, but just know I'm over here cheering you on. You know, mm-hmm. go find out for all of us. That's awesome. And so, um, then the number one question we were getting, because keep in mind the man is the head of the household and he's the <laughs> spiritual head. Number one question, what does Charlie have to say about all this? <laughs>
0: so, well, that's really the only person that matters, right?
2: He's, yeah, he's supposed to get me back in line, right? Right. You know, he's my covering. And so I I came to him and I said, they're all just asking, and I don't want to speak for you because I don't really know, you know, where you talk about it every night. But, you know, some nights he would be like, go figure out what you need to figure out. And other nights he'd be like, could you have picked any other time than when my dad is dying to do this? Yeah. And so I, and my brother in law had been diagnosed with brain cancer. So we were dealing with that as well. And both huge believers, huge believers, both men. Um, And so I said, you know, I feel like you need to tell them yourself. It's okay. Wherever you are. I feel like you're going to have to say something, you know, I don't want to speak for you. And he said, I'm not a writer. I'm not going to write anything, but I'll record something with you. And we can release that as like these podcast things everybody's doing. And that was our <laughs> first, our first episode of Free Vangelic was, what does Charlie think? <laughs> and he told everybody. <laughs> I What's so funny is I just
0: got the chills. Like, why did you yeah. just get the chills? That's
2: right. I think
0: that's awesome.
2: It ended up being a cool thing because, Charlie's degree is in anthropology. Mm. So, you know, he's steeped in knowledge of, you know, ways of the ancients and stuff like that and archaeology. And so he's, it's been so just wonderful to have him on the journey because when I'll say, you know, like I was saying earlier about, you know, women and cultures at the time that the Hebrews were forming, um, you know, they were revered as life givers and life nurturers and the archaeological record shows that. And you're never taught that in evangelicalism, but he knew it. And so Mm -hmm. I would come to him and I would say, did you know the snake was a sign of life? And he would go, yeah, dear, I did. (laughs) I'd be like, why didn't you tell me that? Do you know how much guilt we walk around with being the ones that ushered sin into the world? And he's like, you, you walk around with guilt over that? Like, yeah, it's, Mm -hmm. we caused Adam to fall. And that's the reason all the bad things happen in the world is because we caused Adam to fall and we broke the world, the perfect world God made. So yeah, so that's the kind of stuff that we talk about on the podcast now. Is um, so, know. if
0: God made women, women, then how how did He allow us to break the world? Why did He allow all of that we, to happen?
1: Well, the funny thing is, didn't God send the snake as well? Yeah. He uh,
2: here's the thing that gets me. <laughs> The the cop out <laughs> answer is always, well, God gave humans free will. I know, I know, I know, I know. I actually so knew that. That's on you. <laughs> you <laughs> chose not, and all the repercussions are on you. And so you want to look at it and go, that just seems so very, very manipulative. Mm-hmm. Of, I'm going to give you the ability to choose something that's going to harm people forever. Yeah you're not going to have any capacity to understand that because you're the first two human beings. (laughs) So have fun, enjoy your garden. I mean, it just doesn't, it makes absolutely no sense. If you're trying to give an image of a loving God who loves what he's created, but. Neither does the mass slaughter that he all the mass slaughters that he orders in the Old Testament. So it just doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't yeah. when you step out of it. Yeah, once you start pulling
1: on one string, there's just all they all start <laughs> following. Yeah, you and you're like, what is happening right now? None <laughs> of this makes
0: sense. All of a sudden you're not praying with your kids anymore and you're <laughs> yeah. quitting your job.
2: All of a sudden you're like, um, wh- who am I? Like, what am I about? Yeah, right. if I'm not about winning this fight every day that I go into the secular world and fighting a battle for Jesus. If I'm not doing that, what am I doing? You're cause you're taught. Okay. So, so there's a book called the purpose driven life uh, that came out. Warren, that's last name. That's wonderful that this stuff is starting to finally leave my brain years <laughs> yeah, later. Good. But anyway, it's, it was a huge bestseller in the Christian world. And the idea was that you're, you're, to be an obedient follower of Christ, you need to uncover what special talents and skills he's given you and put those toward use in the kingdom. And that's your purpose. So you live this purpose driven life. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I had spent, all that time, I'm a storyteller. And so my purpose is to use stories to communicate the truths of Christ. Mm -hmm. And suddenly I didn't have that purpose anymore. So it was like, well, why do you get out of bed in the morning? I don't know. What's, what does any of this mean? Why is it even here? Mm -hmm. what am I supposed to be doing? So yeah, there was a whole lot of that fun existential angst that normally you'd go through as a 16 year old (laughs) 38 (laughs) with two kids. So Yeah. yeah. That Was a good oh. time.
0: <laughs> I think some of us go through it at my age, even, and I'm, I'm in my fifties, and I'm like, I, you know, I think that that's sort of how I got into what I'm doing now. Like, what am I really supposed to be doing?
1: Yeah, I, I just didn't.
0: Ha- go ahead. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just saying, I just didn't, I just didn't have the the religious background to ask the questions. I just came to it at a later time. Yeah.
2: <laughs> like, I what, love what? it when we're honest enough to go at any age. Even if we think we figured it out and then we realize at another age, mm, maybe not, that we're honest and courageous enough to go, okay, well, then what's the next answer? Let me go find the next answer. Because that is, I said, you know, there's some, there's a lot of wisdom in the Bible. I still think there's a lot of wisdom in the Bible. and But one of the um, directives that King Solomon, who's, you know, supposedly he's David's son, David's the greatest king, King Solomon's his son, he's the second greatest king. Um, king Solomon wrote. Well, he didn't, but they say that he wrote Proverbs and one of the Proverbs says that supposedly King Solomon tells you is, uh, it says chase wisdom. If it costs you everything, get wisdom. And that, that was what I, it still is what I live my life by. There's mm-hmm. very little, I won't sacrifice to understand. Right. Better. And I think
0: that's exactly where I am at too. And I think that everyone should be is always just searching for whatever their truth is and,
2: mm-hmm. and
0: and you know, that's just wisdom, what your truth is. Yes. And it's different from everyone else's.
2: Yeah. And that knowledge gives us this ability to be in relationship with each other. When you, when you take away the idea that you've got it figured out and your mission is to tell everybody else what it is so they can get on board too, which is the evangelical way. If instead it's Well, I've got some of it maybe figured out and I definitely don't have all of it figured out and you've got some ideas. So let's talk about those and see if we can get to a better way of being better, being kinder toward each other and a nicer, you know, cute planet. Then it's, it makes for just a very free way of being in relationship with each other. It removes all judgment on the person. That's my my biggest
0: issue with my interactions with people who are who follow a religion completely is I feel like there is a lot of judgment and I just don't think that's the way we're supposed to be.
2: Well, and, in, you know, I, I kind of look at it and go, you're taught evangelicals. I'm speaking of that your mission is to win them to Christ. And so most of them are operating from a good hearted place. They're very concerned. You're going to spend eternity in hell and they want to stop it, you know? yeah, absolutely. Um, but when you don't, when you're not in that worldview, it just comes across as you're telling me that I'm messed up and only you can fix me. You know, <laughs> that's what's <laughs> happening right now. It's just your way. I got to take it. Mm-hmm. And, and until you get out of it, it just doesn't resonate
0: so how long did it take for you to make the decision and you say you escaped the this toxic um
2: their religion there, yeah. go ahead honestly there are still some days that i go oh my gosh that is an evangelical mindset at play in mm. in that relationship or in that circumstance and i gotta stop that There's still playing. yeah so
0: becoming aware of the thought and the belief is is the first step really just to be able to say oh my god i can't believe i
2: Yeah. I, I, you know, I told a friend today and I'm now, you know, five years from this. um, The biggest challenge for me is in evangelicalism, you are never, ever, ever really fully allowed to live in this moment in the now Mm -hmm. you are always living for the next life. Always. Everything you do Mm -hmm. is about building up those crowns for the next life is about getting to that next life where Jesus is. This is not it. This, there's entire songs. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. I mean, it is, this is not home. And so when you have that, you're not as concerned with doing anything to keep the planet going. It's fine. If the planet goes away, you're going to heaven. Mm -hmm. You're not as concerned with your relationships you don't fully sit in the joy or the agony of the moment. Yeah. Everything is about the next life. And so that has, I'm still not there every day. I was, t- that's what I was telling a friend this morning, I was like, I'm, I had gotten back into that mentality of living in the future, living in the future. Now I do it now in terms of living in an earthly future, but still, I'll get into this mindset where I don't see anything in front of me. It's, yeah. well, this is where we're going. This is where we're going. This is where we're going. And that's just something that's ingrained in you. Yeah, evangelical. And it's, it's really hard to set down. That's so interesting. Yeah.
0: Do, you, do you meditate now?
2: Yeah, yeah. That's, that's actually good. what I did this morning to get back to now. I meditated and then I did some yoga. <laughs> like, perfect. Okay. and now we're back. <laughs> let's do <That's> perfect. <laughs> yeah. So now,
0: so let's fast forward to now. So you, when did you start your production company? And again, it's called, I'm just looking at my notes to make sure I say it correct. One C story network. And that is yours.
2: You started That's mine. That? It's one C um, because there's only one C in my Rebecca. So I figure when ah. he goes belly up, maybe people will finally spell my name, right? <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah it it got started in december 2019 so i you know the the organization that i was with when i walked out eventually closed in 2018 and it was a really painful closing um lots of broken relationships and and just very difficult to navigate yeah um so that's so a blessing
0: in disguise
2: it was it was i can say that now i mean at the time you know when everything you've spent your life building is gone it and you're you know (laughs) you're 40 years old and everything you've built your life, terrifying your entire life is gone. And you've got two kids and you're trying to figure out if you're even supposed to be a business owner. Are you a leader? Or was that just something you thought was a talent the Lord gave you and you question everything. So it took me until December, 2019. And I will, I, I give this guy credit in every single time I ever tell this story. Um, I was calling around, I've got some of the friends in the business stayed friends and that was, really helpful. And one of those was Mike Flaherty. Mike was one of the guys that started Walden Media, which is Chronicles of Narnia, Bridge to Terabithia, because of Winn-Dixie, lots of family movies. Um, a f- mutual, I'm not close with Mike. We have a mutual friend that we're both very close with. And our mutual friend had said, you should call Mike and see what he's working on now. So I did. And Mike had just left Walden his movies at that point had earned $4 billion at the box office. So, I mean, he was leaving on a high note.
1: I'm sure Brittany, Brittany probably
2: saw every single one of them. (laughs) And he, they're good movies. I mean, the man made good movies. Um, So I called him and I said, okay, you know, I'm sure you've heard what's going on with me, Mike. (laughs) And he was like, it's fine. It's fine. Cause he actually had been, I had brought him down to Naples and he had been a headliner at one of our events at the Mm -hmm. company. And so he said, um, he said, I'm getting into podcasting. And I went, why are you going from the movie industry to podcasting? I didn't, the only thing I knew about podcasting was that little one that my husband and I had. So it wasn't like a, you know, we weren't doing it to be a thing. We were doing it to answer the questions people were asking me. And he, so he introduced me to what it was as an industry. And I, I learned about Gimlet, you know, selling to Spotify for $200 million and all of that stuff. And I said, okay, so um, something he and I have in common is we like to be in on the ground floor of things. Yeah. And So um, he knew that. And so he was like, it's like the early days of TV, you know, all the networks are forming and the stars are being like, you're good. You know, if you want to put something together, you could do that. And so I looked into it and I thought, well, you know, I'm still a storyteller. I I'll die a storyteller. I always, I memorized my first short story when I was four. I mean, it's like uh-huh. I'm a story person. <laughs> so I thought I'm not, probably going to be able to build a library of talkies like what we're doing here talkie podcast but I could do scripted stories like old radio plays I could do that yeah so, that's so, so fun. I, that's what I started putting together and I thought I'll build a library and you know in six or seven years maybe I can sell it like Gimlet did or Wondery did and that's how I'll also somehow financially recover from everything blowing up when I turned 40. Mm -hmm. So that's what we started putting together. And it's, it's since become, we've got five shows, 80 episodes. They've, they all debuted in the top 25% um, when Mm -hmm. they came out. Uh, And we've got three more shows, I think coming out this year. So we'll be at about 120 episodes across the the catalog by the end of the year.
0: How can people listen to it? And Um, what, what is it called? What is it called? Tell me everything.
2: So there are lots of different shows Um, you can see if you just put in my name on the Apple podcast platform, somehow that magically brings them all up. I don't know. But if you want to learn about the shows, go to justonec.com spelled out J-U-S-T-O-N-E-C.com and all the shows are there Uh, as well as like how we put them together and all. I mean, it's, it's a pretty massive undertaking. It takes a good four to six months to get a show out. Yeah, We work with actors from all over the world to voice the characters and create sound effects and music. It's a good time. I can be a voice actor for you. (laughs) Girl, you send me your information. We will put you in there. (laughs) Oh, and then the other cool thing that happened. Okay. So pandemic was happening when we were just about to release the first one. So of course, nobody was commuting to work or going to the gym anymore, which is Mm -hmm. where they had been listening to podcasts. So (laughs) I was like, uh, that's just great. I got in this business and (laughs) now it's going to go belly up. Yeah. so I thought, how would somebody enjoy listening to what we have just spent the last six months making? And I had this image of this woman in my head and she, I think she was me, but she was tired and she was, you know, mm-hmm. just wanted to turn the screens off at the end of the day and just be entertained and not have to think anymore for a minute mm-hmm. before she went to bed. And so in the vision of my head, she had a glass of wine in her hand and I was like, oh, she can't leave the house to get wine. It's we're, she'll get COVID. So I have to bring the wine to her. So I went and found this um, partner out in Napa Valley, that uh, Boise collection that has like four different vineyards and this giant wine library. And I went through their library and paired a bottle of wine with every one of the 30 episodes in that show that had something in common with the show. And I called my attorney and I was like, I don't think we need to get this mixed up in the in the podcast business because it's very different and alcohol comes with all kinds of regulations and legalities and I don't want to put you know the podcast library in jeopardy. And he, bless him, he goes... Rebecca, that's like one of those stupid, simple ideas that people make millions of dollars. off. of. we should patent that. And I was like, okay, let's patent it. (laughs) So we patented it. And then we, it's got like six trademarks and a patent now and all that. So it's called PodPair. So we've paired, we pair food, drinks, hobbies, and other consumables with our shows. That's awesome. It's things like the last one, the one that's, um, it has one more episode in the 12 episode of season one that releases next week and it'll be done releasing called grandma rambo i hired a painter she painted an image from the show i had that digitized and turned into a puzzle and you can work the puzzle <laughs> while you listen to the show and so i was like anything to get you further into a story yeah. i am down for so that's, that's so what cool we do um, i love yeah. that <laughs> yeah
1: I, you know because when i listen to podcasts i'm usually doing like some sort of craft so like I made earrings a lot last summer. This summer I'm kind of more into paint by numbers. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, that's like my that's what you know, like I'm doing my paint by number. I'm listening
2: to my my shows, my podcast. Oh, you
1: gotta <laughs> check this out. You <laughs> yeah. could do a puzzle.
2: I haven't thought about doing a paint by number. That's a good idea. It really is. Puzzle. Cause Brittany,
0: Britney has but Britney also was doing tons of puzzles though, Britt. You were doing puzzles for, as well.
2: Yeah, for a while. I should do a paint-by-number. So the one of the ones that we're working on right now, and honestly, we've had to push out its, its release schedule because of trying to figure out exactly the pod pairs. It's a murder mystery, mm-hmm. it's seven episodes, and your pod pair box is a clue kit that you put together, the clue, while you're listening to the episode to figure out who done it.
1: Mm-hmm. And then
2: at the end, if you figured it out, you come to the website and put in which character you think did it. And if you got it right, you win a prize. And so it's one of those things that it'll... The, once it's been out for a year, everybody's going to know who did it. But in, when it's first coming out, our hope is that there's this groundswell of this is so cool. Mm-hmm. And so we've been, we've spent now six months, seven months developing the clue kits that you're going to get. And honestly, I, call, I went to the creator. I didn't write this one. I hired a writer to write this one that I used to be his manager in Christian publishing. <laughs> I was like, hey, I don't write murder mysteries. You do. <laughs> and um, he was like it was really funny. So I was like, we're not going to put any of the, the new religion stuff that I'm talking about in it. It's just going to be a story. It's going to be okay. And he said, "Um, I tra- I went to him about a week ago and I said, I think let's just do puzzles. Cause these clue kits are driving me bonkers. And he's like, no, we have to have clue kits that you put together. So it's taking a hot minute, but that's Could minute. the
0: clue kits yeah. somehow be a puzzle that you put the puzzle together and there's a, <laughs> your clue.
2: Yes. Well, his, his thing, uh, I don't know. I'm going to say this and I don't know if I'm allowed to say, it, but the thing is that, you, you get these six clue kits and at the end, they all come together to make one big and you got to recognize what's happening among mm-hmm. all of okay. them to really get where you're going. This is so interesting, isn't so it? Brits? It's, yeah, it's really it, like, that's why I hired him. He, I first met that man at Northland at the non, at the non-denominational church where I worked, I, married, I met him at the married young adult ministries event where he had written the murder mystery night for Whoa. the event that night. And it was so convoluted, none of us figured it out. I quit after four hours, I was the last couple standing and I was like, you know what? <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty smart, but I give up. Yeah. He was like, well, if you had seen on the mirror in the bathroom, there was one little mark of red lipstick and that was letting you know, I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, I'm glad I quit. We were gonna be able to two.
0: <laughs> that is so cool. I, I Tell me again, so if someone goes to just one they can see all the shows and the pairings. Yep. So, how do they find your podcast? Is it
2: all the podcasts are on all platforms worldwide? Okay. You can... And it's not
0: what is it called? Just These One all C? All
2: different shows. So, uh, oh, you, see, yeah. Okay.
0: So, the um, first step, someone would go to your justonec.com and see yeah. all the shows, and then they can find them and listen to them. Yeah. Think okay. of it
2: like this Just One C is like NBC. Yeah, or ABC. And then you have to know Grey's Anatomy and Scandal. Yeah, you have to know. Yeah,
0: and just find it. Okay,
2: cool.
0: All right. That's so
2: cool. (laughs) (laughs) And we do have two talkies. We have two now. We still have Free Evangelic that my husband and I, we only release one episode a month because I can't fit more than 24 hours in a day yet. Um, A guy in the Bible did that. He was able to hold back time for a second so they could, but I haven't figured that out. Um, So we only do one episode of Free Evangelic a month. And then we also... I have a teenager and a tween and uh, they had been in private Christian school and we pulled them out and put them in public school here on the island. And the I live on an island off the coast of Florida now. And when they came home the first day from school, I was like, how was it? You know, did you find some friends to hang out with and how was everybody? And, um, both my middle schooler and my high schooler said, well, my whole new friend group is trying to figure out if they're boys or girls. And my kids didn't know that was an option. <laughs> and so I started having this conversation with my son. And I said, well, okay, hey, gender dysphoria is a thing. It's been recognized for decades, but it's not a prevalent thing. Like everybody in your friend group is probably not wrestling with this authentically. It's probably that they've seen others. They've seen it in the media or whatever. And so now they're wondering if they need to be wondering So here's how we act with kindness and love and respect to somebody who's authentically going through it. And here's how we don't disrespect the ones who are authentically going through it by pretending like other people are going through it who are not. And here's how we have those conversations. And so we started talking about it. And my son said, oh my gosh, I wish these, my new friends could hear this conversation we're having. And so I knew about podcasting just from Free Evangelic at that point. I said, okay, well, let's, we've got a microphone. Let's go record it. And that became the Flamingo family. And we cover all kinds of issues that teens and tweens face Mm -hmm. and and we talk about it from how we handle it in our family, not because we have all the answers. It's just, here's a way of thinking about these things. And we've covered sex trafficking and vaping and video gaming and all kinds of stuff. There was actually a little girl here on the Island that was being groomed by a trafficker and it came Mm -hmm. out because of the episode we did on sex trafficking. So Ah. it's been a really hard, but really rewarding show to do especially since your
0: kids now feel like they can well maybe they always felt this way but they can talk to you about almost anything at this they point.
2: they know i mean i was you know it, it turns out my mom is a narcissist and um i think that's part of why evangelicalism so appeals to her because she's got all the answers and is always right and so you know it was a really difficult childhood anyway growing mm-hmm. up and so when i had kids uh two things. First, that's why I got healthy from the sex abuse I had endured, um, in and out of the church was I saw my kids when they were tea t- tiny, they were in the floor of the living room one day laughing together. And it struck me that if I didn't get healthy, I was going to mess them up. You know, mm-hmm. they, they deserved a healthy mom who wasn't going to be perfect, but at least she would be able to love from an authentic place. So yeah. that's when I dealt with my, as we call it here, can I say this shit? Is that allowed? That's what we call it. My, <laughs> the that's shit? That's what we call it. <laughs> What I lived through, it's the shit, and so I don't want the shit. Sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. The stuff. God, we, we're um, in the
0: Northeast. We're very liberal. Here.
2: <laughs> you can say shit. Um, okay, good. And then with the with our, you know, with the faith, we eventually had to come clean with the kids, and they both they've both been on free evangelic now, and and talked about their perspective of us getting out of evangelicalism and um, how how much more they enjoy life and how much happier we seem to be as a family now that we're not in, in that. Um, so, but anyway, what I purposed to do when I got healthy was I was like, I, I realize I can't be a perfect mom. It doesn't exist. So here's the one, one thing I want to hold true to is I just need them to know I love them. Mm-hmm. Everything else we can figure out. I just need you to know I love you. And so everything gets rooted in that. So it's not that we don't have argument. I mean, they're adolescents, they're arguments, yeah, but There's a level of, you know, my kids know there's nothing on the planet that you could ever do or think or be that I'm not going to love you. I mean, I may not bail you out for a night, so you learn a lesson, but I'm going to love you. (laughs) And so, yeah, that makes, I think that free space for them to go, you know, I've got two friends who are wondering if they're girls and they present as boys and what, how do I do that? How do I be nice to them? But, you know, I think it makes that space for us to have those conversations. Yeah,
0: and I think their friends would appreciate that, too, because, uh, you know, everyone's trying to navigate that and understand that and to be be compassionate toward everybody and anyone who's going through anything, like just to be a compassionate human being is all that we all need to be, period.
2: Can you imagine if we were all just nice? just authentically nice to each other. Yeah. yeah. Right. Just, just like for a day, let's all take one day <laughs> and just all be nice to each other that day. I don't know how many people would have to stay home because they couldn't pull it off. Um, but it has- It would certainly
0: it, elevate the
2: planet. Can you imagine? Can you yeah. imagine the energy that- Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, whatever. Don't get me started. But I did realize too, um, I forget sometimes that uh, a lot of their friends, you know, don't have two parents at home. Mm-hmm. and the one parent they do have they may not see a lot and the one parent they do have might be really really tired and doesn't mean to not have time for them or not have time to discuss things but you know they're holding down three jobs and just trying to keep food on the table and yeah you know, can come later and so I also love that those friends listen to the show and they they at least can hear what it sounds like when mom and dad are talking to, to the kids tell me the, the name of that
0: podcast again
2: the flamingo family that oh like
0: the bird family. The flamingo family? Yes,
2: because we live on an island off the coast of Florida. And now we have a fifth flamingo. Um, My sister passed away last year of breast cancer. Mm -hmm. She was only 45. My sister was
0: 41 when she passed. She had uh, breast cancer too.
2: I'm so sorry. Same to you. Thanks. um, I mean, it's really hard to go through. That'll that'll make you mad at God too, Uh, Mm -hmm. because she's the wife of the brain cancer. Patient. They both they've died within a year and a half.
0: What the hell is what? Where do they live, and what's going on there? Like,
2: see where they spray all the all the fields nearby with God knows Mm -hmm. what, and everybody's breathing it in. And and there's there are no the only grocery store is a Walmart, so Hmm. you know there's no clean clean living there at all. Um, But she has two grown children who were still living at home, and my niece is moving down here to live with us, and so she is a part of the flamingo family now too. She's 22. Oh and, good! Or just turned twenty three. Who? Sorry, um, she's twenty three.
0: <laughs> that's a that's a great perspective to add to the bunch.
2: Is so she? Fun. Is she?
0: Yeah, is she going to be on the podcast? Because I feel like that would be a great. She's in
2: it, and good. she is still Southern Baptist. So now she is not my generation Southern Baptist. Some of the things I tell her, she's like Aunt Boo, we do not believe that, and I'm like, girl, we did when I was coming up. <laughs> and she'll be like, like homosexuality is not an abomination, Aunt Boo, and I'm like do not tell your meme all that or you will get a sermon. Do not bring it up at the dinner table. Yeah. So yeah, it's, I, you know, I think she'll be, a, she's a little more, she needs to get out of that town. <laughs> she needs to, yeah. So she's, she's on the podcast um, now with us most times. So we have a 12 year old, a 16 year old, a 22 year old, and then us old parents. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that.
0: That is great. It's a
2: good, time. It's a good, good time. <laughs>
0: So, all right. So let me just make sure that I got everything. And then I'm going to ask you our three questions. So okay. they can go follow your, um, your pod pairing idea. Yes. So they go to just one and they, and it's all spelled out. So just and the word one, and then the letter
1: C.com.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I'll also put them in the podcast notes, but they can find your shows and they can see a wine pairing and a food pairing and what was the other
2: pairing you said so we've done chocolate and joy is around holidays so there's a christmas gift box a valentine's gift box and a mother's day gift box and coming soon our baby and wedding uh episodes and that's like a small town charming story like a hallmarky almost story yeah um making the cut has wines grandma rambo has a puzzle the uh there's one that we're doing called um, heal me. And it's a woman who has chronic pain and she's learned about journal- journaling your way through that to rewire your brain. So it has a journal that you can buy the journal and journal Ooh, with her on the show. Cool. I love that. So, and then we have the clue kits that are coming with uh, the password murders. And so um, I'm trying to remember what else is coming. There's so much. Um, oh, oh, one of the cool ones that, oh, am I, I'm not allowed to talk about that
0: one. Yet. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> that's our it's really
2: cool it has to do with baseball it's so much fun but I okay okay that's okay in the spring
0: <laughs> perfect timing okay yeah. and then you have two podcasts that people can tune into one being the flamingo family and that sounds like it's for families with um young children up to maybe even early 20s now yeah. um so just talking about topics that may be difficult for families to talk about yeah. They get to hear your family discuss it. So I think it's great. Um, and then the other is free evangelical. Yes. Okay. I wrote down I wrote down free evangelical, but I I think it's free evangelic. Okay.
2: Free So
0: those are all great places where they can hear you. Is there anything else that you'd like to promote? Give
1: any okay.
2: books or anything? I mean, if you Google my name, don't get confused because I am a writer. Um, you know, I'm a story person. So yeah, there are, I have about 10 published books and I've written some TV. And so you'll see all of that. If you Google me, that is me. Don't get confused. (laughs) Google me. But you know, these days I'm really just focused on building the podcast library. I love it. A couple of the shows are in development as TV and film now. So that'll be coming, but right now today just go listen to podcast shows (laughs) just start there
0: (laughs) absolutely okay thank you thank you so much for coming on we we do ask our guests three questions before they leave okay okay so the first one is when you are at your most peaceful um what are you doing
2: well i live at the beach so my most peaceful i am early morning there are no tourists on the beach in Mm -hmm. early morning here because we're on the gulf side so they all love the sunsets so i love the sunrise there you nice. go. Early morning on the beach with a journal. And usually my son is with me. He'll be out on his paddle board, and I'll stay on shore for a minute and then join him.
0: Nice. Do you paddle
1: board?
2: I do. I do. Love it. Because if you go in the morning, the dolphins are out feeding. So you can go out with the dolphins mm-hmm. and there is nothing like being on a paddleboard with a dolphin. Oh just... my God. The... I, yeah. how... I don't, I don't know how to swim. So that
1: doesn't,
2: <laughs> <laughs> maybe don't paddle board yet. That's a bad idea. Although the dolphins, they're so caring. Like they will herd you to shore if I'm there sure is danger nearby.
1: I'm sure yeah. that they would help. They're amazing, amazing creatures. Well,
2: that's And we have nice. our first baby right now here in Naples. Our, our, our first baby of the season. Our first baby dolphin. Really? Oh. Oh. <laughs> you need to come on. down Because we catalog them. Um, like we can oh. tell which ones are which. So yeah. 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 She's got her baby out with her now. So come on down. Maybe. Oh, it must be so cute. How big is it? It's um, kind of like the size of a Labrador. That's about the. Size. <laughs> yes, the size of Jorge, <laughs> and adorable. It just swims right beside mom, and yeah, so it's cool. adorable.
0: <laughs> Thank you. That's so cool. Um, we might you might have two visitors on your doorstep.
2: <laughs> Come on down.
0: Yeah. Okay. Our next question is: um, Do you have you read a life changing book that you would recommend to someone? Was it The Green Witch, or was there something else like um, a the,
2: the one that kind of gave me permission to say what I was doing out loud um, there's a fun short story so I was I had written my first tv show and we were in the middle of producing it and the character the main character was a sassy grown daughter and she was in a scene with her mom I don't know where that would come from and she was in a <laughs> scene with mom and her mom needed to be reading a book in the scene and so I wanted to have a book that had a very tongue-in-cheek title in case I love put, putting little eggs like that, and you know, the stuff that we do. Mm-hmm. So, um, here in Naples at the time, Sue Monk Kidd was living here. She wrote The Mermaid Chair and Secret Life of Bees, she oh, yeah. anymore, but she lived here then. Mm-hmm. I thought that would be fun if we put one of Sue Monk kid's books in here and then we could have her out to set. And so, I started looking through her titles, and she had a book called The Dance of the Dissident Daughter. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's what the mom's going to be reading. So I didn't know what it was about, but I just, I got it for the title and I put it in the character's hands and we had wrapped and all of the crew had gone home. And so there's always this like very quiet, lonely lull when everybody's gone home and your crew, your, your set family is gone. And I had read all the books in my house. And so I went, I was going through the props that were left over in the boxes. Cause I was like, there was a book we had for that show and I haven't read it. So Dance the Dissident, Sue Kid Kidd is um, a pastor's wife. And she's she's very well published in Christian publishing and dance of the dissident daughter starts out uncovering all of the ways that um, femininity, the power of femininity has been removed from us via the church. And I thought if she as a pastor's wife is allowed to say that out loud, it must be true. (laughs) So that set me off on, you know, a whole, I spent two years, I think delving into, well, if we're not what the church says we are, then what are we as females? What's our history? So
0: do you not find that extremely interesting that that was the book that you picked because of the name and then you read it and you were like, this is life-changing?
2: Yeah, changing my the universe my life. will take care of you if you let yeah,
0: it. Absolutely. It'll
2: bring you just what you need.
0: Absolutely. As long as you let it, yep. As yeah. long as you let yeah. it. Okay, now here's our last question. If money wasn't an object, what would you be doing?
2: What I'm doing. That's what everyone <laughs> says. I'm going to take yes, that question out of here. here. Well, here's the, I would be doing more of it. Uh, and yeah. I'd be doing mm-hmm. it from a bigger house so that I could have more people over at a time mm-hmm. to do my dinners. Um, mm-hmm. But I will say the thing I would be doing that I'm not able to do right now, it's actually something that we are in uh, an investment round to do. Um, here on the island, we don't have a place that high schoolers and or creatives can gather. Um you know, the high schoolers can't because everything is a bar and creatives are very siloed. So like all the painters over there, all the writers over there, all the, you know, they're all very siloed. And I have for years held creatives dinners in my home where I would have um, kind of like the Algonquin Club, what I envisioned it was. So I'll have like a director, a choreographer, a writer and a painter all around the dining room table. And it's just, it's so cool. The conversations that happen and what they make, you know, as a result yeah. of being together, just getting those kinds of brains together. And so I, I have this desire to open up um, a 1C here. 1C, that one will be O-N-E-S-E-A because we all live on 1C. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be a hangout place for the high schoolers and the creatives to come and do what, they, what we've been doing at my house for several years because I can't put everybody <laughs> in here anymore. Um, And that's, you know, it's a, it's a few hundred thousand dollar endeavor. So uh, we're in fundraising for all of that. So if I, if money were no object, I'd be going ahead and working on that too right now. Right. Right.
0: Sooner than later, because you just, yeah, that's so fabulous. It sounds like a great place. I would love to be there.
2: Well, it's kind of one of those things we're building a recording studio in it with one way glass so that you can watch us make the shows. And so it's also, I think going to be one of those places like the teenagers who are listening to Flamingo family will be able to come and hang out like they're hanging out at our house. Yeah. But my introvert self will not have them in my house. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. That's always good. Oh so, yeah. And I put my niece, my niece and her best friend are moving down here and they're going to be running the day to day for the store.
0: Unbelievable! That is so fabulous, Brittany. We're I moving do. to Naples. gonna go home. Oh, come on down!
2: That's what I'd be doing if I had all the money in the world yeah. right now.
0: And, and once again, I we come from the northeast and a little bit south of Boston, and I hide my Boston accent terribly. So, if you ever need a voiceover with an authentic Boston accent, I will call you. Um, I can I, I can pull it out.
2: You can pull Are it out. In Boston? Like, no problem. Are you guys in Boston?
0: No. So I am about, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes south. And Brittany is in Rhode Island, just about 20 minutes away from me.
1: Yeah. I'm in cool. Providence, Rhode Island. It's it's so funny because everyone in the Northeast is so close to, to each other. Yeah. You can go anywhere in New England within a day. Um, so <laughs> <Yeah>. my, <laughs> I'm my, in my a different husband, state, but I'm very close by.
2: <laughs> my husband's best friend is outside of boston like you is like 45 minutes away he works mm-hmm. in boston and commutes mm-hmm. and, uh, mike Flaherty's in boston the guy oh, of, the oh of, course. of course walden
0: <laughs> is walden, this yes. walden yeah
2: and then our mutual friend that i'm very close to and he's very close to but mike and i aren't close close his name's steve he's a he's a television director and um Steve is from Boston, and I think he's moving back up there. So it's like all all good roads lead to Boston. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're
0: not we're not so bad. We're not so bad. There's, I mean, there's good people. There's yeah, there's other people,
1: but there's some here. But you know, as always, yeah. anywhere, that's true. <laughs> oh, Rebecca,
0: it really has been such a joy to get to know you, and to I've learned so much today. I know that those religions exist. I just was never indoctrinated. indoctrinated is that the right word?
2: That yes. is the right word. Yes, you have found it. <laughs> I have a master's degree. Um, <laughs> Me too, but not <laughs> <in> a religion. <legend. laughs>
0: Me either. Um, you know, we, I, we didn't grow up that way. So to hear, uh, I, I want to call it extreme, the extreme values of just how different it was. To, I mean, Brittany, I, I raised Brittany, but I feel like, she and I probably shared the same sort of beliefs as far as religion goes. We didn't really practice, Mm -hmm. you know, so to hear your story is, was just amazing. It's amazing. And it's a, it's a different world, right, Britt?
1: Yeah, it's great. It's good to have that kind of perspective, I think, you know, um, which is why doing this podcast is so fun. You know, you learn so much about, you know, people that you probably never would have gotten the chance to talk to so it's really cool thank you yeah thank you yeah.
0: for enlightening us and uh I absolutely love your pod pairing I love all of that I think oh, it's the coolest you. idea uh, I hope you yeah. get some more guest customers up here in New England
2: thank you yes please. yes please you know I think with evangelicals I'll say this um because they they are the big voting block for Donald Trump and to so if you're on the outside it's confusing, right? Like you look mm-hmm. at it and go, how could any logical, sane, kind human being, wh- like how, just how, mm-hmm. so. <laughs> but I think if we're, if we're going to change that, then we got to get to a place of understanding where they're coming from. And if they're right. coming from a place of, I'm trying to save souls and get you yeah. to heaven, and I'm trying to do this because God has ordered me to do this, and I'm trying to please God. When you know they're coming from that perspective, and you meet on that playing field. Um, it's just, I think it's a more productive conversation than absolutely. Saying, what the hell is wrong mm-hmm. with you, you idiot? I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's I right. <laughs> absolutely, totally true. And possibly? it's so interesting because this topic has come
1: up even recently. You know, between me and my friends, being like, like, why, why do like we were like, why do Christians like feel like everybody needs to be Christian? Why is that? Yeah, and I didn't know how to answer that question, but I guess when you think about it. You know, from the perspective of of what you've been taught as a Southern Baptist, it's like, yeah, if you had the the mindset and you thought you had the power to convert people so they didn't spend an eternity in eternity in hell, like really, you're helping them. Yeah, you would be kind of pushy about it, right? So.
2: You're mandated, you know, scripture says, go ye therefore into all the world, preaching and teaching the gospel, baptizing in the name of the father, son, and the Holy ghost and lo, I'll be with you always. And that's Jesus speaking. Yeah. So it's not like you can go, ah, eh, it was crazy, Paul, you know, maybe not today. <laughs> it was Jesus. So you have to do it. And then like, I wrote an essay when I was in college, uh, trying to explain that to my, I was in the university scholars program and I was trying to explain it to the scholars. And I said, it's like this. Christians or evangelicals, I don't know, I can't speak for all Christians, evangelicals view it as you, you your friend's getting in a car and they're going to fly down the interstate at 70 miles an hour and you know they're going to crash at the end, that everybody has to crash at the end and you're trying to put a seatbelt on them and they're fighting you about mm-hmm. putting a seatbelt on and saying they don't want it, they don't like it, they don't like how it limits them, they don't like how it takes away their freedom, but you know you're going to save their life. So you keep having the argument to put the seatbelt on them. That's what they're doing. That's, that's the mentality you're coming from, the, mm-hmm. that the evangelicals are coming from of, I'm trying to save you. Mm-hmm. And it just comes across as you're wrong and going to hell. And I, can <laughs> <Yeah. do that." laughs> uh, It's so interesting.
0: Well, I know that I'll be with great company when I'm
2: there, <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm like mine'll be the loud street. <laughs> sorry. Uh, no, it's just, it's it's so it's really limiting and sad when you when you really drill down to it of mm-hmm. it's it raw ro- the evangelical lifestyle robs you of so much of life and it, that is so antithetical to scripture because another thing Jesus said was I've come that they may have life and have it abundantly
1: yeah and
2: I just want to look up and go that's not what you guys are doing
1: right right mm-hmm. right it's so interesting. Yeah. Well, thank you
0: so much again, Rebecca. It really was so awesome. Uh, I I cannot wait to go listen to some of your podcasts and watch some of those shows and, and (laughs) and figure all that stuff out.
2: Um, Give me your stuff so I can put you on a show.
0: (laughs) Well, I really am not an actor, but um, I have, I've taken plenty of classes though.
2: There you go. That's all you need.
0: (laughs) I took acting one-on-one in college.
2: There you go.
1: I did that too. I took drama one-on-one. There you go.
0: I was in a couple of plays for it. Yeah. I have a I have a resume.
2: There you go. If you've got a strong director, they can pull it out of you. Yeah, of course.
0: My very first show was um Dead Giveaway. I was a dead body.
2: (laughs) There you go. So you're fantastic at this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And you lay very, very still for your scene, (laughs) right? I did.
0: And I was wrapped up in a blanket and I couldn't breathe because people would see me breathe. It was awful. It was awful. I was very claustrophobic. Uh, See, by comparison,
2: this would be a breeze. Yeah. Yeah. Now. And breathe. And I, you had to talk and breathe in my
0: show. Well, again, I keep saying thank you, but I'm really going to end it this okay. time. Thanks and for having me. Absolutely. And Brittany and I will we'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Thanks again, Rebecca. Uh-huh. And here I am. I am back. Just came back to say one more time. Thank you so much for joining us. We are so excited that you enjoy this podcast and keep coming back for more. We can't wait to see you next time, but until then, may you be happy, healthy, safe, and live a life that's filled with ease. Thank you. Bye.